Ducks fans, are you ready? You are listening to the Ducks and Pucks podcast. This is the number one home for Anaheim Ducks talk and analysis. Here we go. Welcome to the show. This is your host, Mike Walters, along with my co-host, Eddie Richard. And again, we have a jam-packed show for you. Plenty of games to cover. Some uh, exciting news with uh, Drysdale coming up. So we'll talk about his performance. He uh, scored his first NHL goal along with Trevor Zegras. So we'll talk about their play and how that's kind of uh, formed in this last week or so. More updates on trade rumors. Of course, a lot of them came out right after we recorded our last show, which uh, tends to happen from time to time. So we'll dive into those. Plenty of players' names being thrown out there as the trade deadline comes up. Only a couple weeks away. So we will get into that. Lots of fan questions. Tons of injury news. And uh, finally, some draft lottery changes that uh, were talked about and now approved. So we'll go into those as well. So... Let's go into it, Eddie. Uh, we'll go into the games a little bit. We won't waste too much time, as we talked about before, but when there's some big stuff going on, we'll, we'll highlight that as we start off the show. The Ducks uh, were in a losing streak. Uh, they did come out of it and then uh, lost again afterwards uh, a couple times. But uh, unfortunately, the Ducks, after dealing with the Kings, they then went and uh, faced the San Jose Sharks for two games. The first game was completely horrible. <laughs> And they uh, ended up getting blown out six nothing in that game. Second game not as bad. They they you know fought it out kind of during the the middle of the game and then ended up losing that one uh, three to one. And the Ducks have kind of continued to decline a little bit um, with those games. But uh, kind of a rough go. You know the Ducks uh, again on another losing streak, as we talked about. Um, you know it's just tough. Uh, there's not nothing else to say. I, I mean I really I look at this stuff and. A lot of people are upset out there. You're messaging me. I've got friends telling me that, hey, I'm not watching the games anymore. Uh, I can't believe you still watch them. You do the podcast and everything like that. And, and, and I I feel you out there. And if you're listening right now, you're, you're probably in the same boat. You've kind of checked out. You, you probably just get the updates on the games from our Twitter feed and uh, look at the stuff that we post on Facebook and some of the articles. But uh, I, I'm looking at this as more as the process and, and how that's going to unfold. Obviously, in these two games, that didn't really help as the Ducks lost these two, Eddie. But I guess my big thing about this is we can't look at wins and losses the rest of this season because I feel like the season is lost in terms of playoffs and whatnot. Now we have to look at will this team get something going, start playing better, get those younger guys in there, which is what we need to see. Uh, as these games continue on, what's your take on you know these couple games with uh, San Jose and how the Ducks are you know doing? Ah, oh, it's bad. That that Sharks game was horrible, and and I feel for the fans that tell you that I'm not going to watch the game. It just just watch it like I do sometimes because like my life's kind of hard right now where I can't always watch the games live because I'm usually doing something else, so I have to come back and watch them after. Just imagine. Coming home and I had to knowing that the Ducks lost like ugly loses like this. I had to sit here and watch it. That's just that's even worse. But I still do it. I still want to see them play just so I can either critique them or praise them. But like if I, what's weird too is Evander Kane is like a duck killer. That guy just can produce against the Ducks like no problem. If Evander Kane paid his debts like he scores on the Ducks, he'd be phenomenal right now. But <laughs> he can't. But I guess they played better on that second game, but they, they still lost 3-1 to one to a bottom another bottom feeder team. It's like the battle of the bottom. 
I don't know. I don't think they played good on both games, even though they only lost three to one. I, I, a lot of improvement. It just doesn't seem like like they have that heart. Like I said, you, like you see it from some games. You see that passion. You see that skill. You see them make some decent plays, but it just goes to hell after that. You're just kind of like, okay, what happened to this team? And that six zero loss against the bottom field that was just terrible. And I can't believe big shakeups weren't even made that game. But after that game, it's just bad. Yeah, I mean those two games are rough. <clears throat> I mean, there's not much. It's not going to be the dead horse. They, they, you know, just against San Jose, and you didn't play well, and you you kept the losing streak going. And I guess then we got kind of a tease because they played Colorado, and that game, like we talked about, the Ducks seem to play well against certain teams in terms of their skating ability and whatnot. And that, and one of those teams is Colorado, and they came out in the first period, and it was extremely exciting contest. I mean, Colorado scored first. And the Ducks answered back, and they kept going back and forth. And the Ducks had uh, a 4-2 lead in the beginning of this game. And you're like, all right, this is fantastic. Uh, all kinds of you know craziness going on. Uh, an up-tempo game. They're playing well. Um, they're fighting it out. Um, they're, they're getting some you know good goals in this game. And then uh, after that, they lay an egg. I, I mean, they don't score. And... I mean, that was it. I mean, the, the biggest highlight was really at the end, uh, the first period, Derek Grant gets a penalty shot, his first penalty shot of the NHL, while the Ducks are shorthanded, mind you, and he scores his first goal of the season, which we all know Grant's been struggling. So when he got that and the Ducks were up, you know, 4-2 to two at the end of the first period, I felt pretty good about this game. I really thought, okay, the Ducks got this. And they still had that lead halfway through the period in the uh, second period. And then... Uh, Colorado got a couple goals, tied it up. Then they got a couple early goals in the third and didn't look back. And, I mean, man, Eddie, talk about frustration. You're you're starting out this game. You're looking good. You're playing Colorado, which we know is a playoff team. And you do 30 minutes well, and then you just do 30 minutes and you just blow it. Yeah, you know what? I'm not trying to be a like, negative Nancy, but when the Ducks had this, this strong start, I, I told a couple of buddies, Oh, I guarantee, or I, I think the Avs are going to come back and they're going to beat the Ducks. The Avs, I, I know how the, they play, and I know when, when they get pissed off and you piss off a few of their players, they're going to start going and they're really going to come at you. And I knew the Ducks couldn't handle that kind of pressure. They switched goaltenders. Uh, I guess I think the Ducks kind of took advantage of Miska and his inexperience in the net right now. He's still a new goaltender. And once they switched goalies, the, the momentum changed. Uh, Ranton and uh, started the the comeback, started them getting uh, getting going, and the Ducks just couldn't they couldn't match that kind of talent, that kind of speed. Yeah, players, you know, yeah, players like uh, Nathan McKinnon running running around out there, skating as fast as he can. No one can touch him. He just creates so much opportunity for everyone around him. And when he's on the ice, you have a few Ducks players just they're focused more on him because they know the damage he can do. It's, it's, it's not to say anything bad about the Ducks. I said I, I lost my confidence or I, I'm, I'm siding with Colorado more because they're my favorite, second favorite team. But I spent a lot of time in Colorado watching these guys develop, watching their system and how they play, watching them how they go down. It was just – it wasn't surprising. And you really can't be this upset because Colorado has been on a tear lately. The last six games, they've they just been blowing past teams. Uh, it's just – you can't really – fault the Ducks for this because Colorado is such a powerhouse team you can't really you can't go wrong with any of their players because when their top players aren't performing as we saw before their depth players will step up and then when those players aren't performing their defense will step up there's always someone yet to worry about so once they make that goalie change and once 
they got someone better between the pipes. The Ducks were in trouble, and, and that's how it went down. So it's, you really can't hate the Ducks on this game or fault them losing to a team like this. Yeah, eight to four is it's horrible, but Colorado has just too much firepower from everywhere not to be eight to four, and especially the way they're playing as of late. Yeah, and some of the stuff that came up in this game that hurt the Ducks again. We've seen this now is the penalty kill keeps going down. We saw San Jose take advantage a couple times in those two games, and and Avalanche did here as well. They scored twice out of you know three power play attempts. Of course, the Ducks' power play has been terrible. It's been way at the bottom. So special teams is, is just killing Anaheim. Uh, like you said, Colorado turned it on, and the Ducks just usually don't have an answer uh, when that happens. I thought one thing that was kind of interesting, and I noted this in the in the game recap talking about this one. I think the Ducks still could have pulled this out. Uh, Zegras had a really good chance to score, hit the post, and if he would have done that, the Ducks would have been up 5-2 to two in the middle of the second period. Not saying that that would have completely changed the game, they would have won, but if you're up 5-2 to two as opposed to 4-2, to two, you know, the, the two-goal lead is the worst lead in the NHL, right? They always talk about that. So I, I felt that that would have happened, maybe it would have changed a little bit. Yeah, the Ducks would have got a little more momentum in their way, but when they weren't able to to uh, you know get that lead up any further, and then Colorado started getting those goals in the second, you you could totally tell the momentum shifted, Eddie, and then they just took over in the third. Yeah, I I still think the Ducks were doomed in this one. It just I I don't know. I I couldn't see the Ducks competing with the Avalanche, especially with them being that. Like I don't know what the, what the Avalanche coach says in the locker room to fire his guys up, but usually when they're down. Especially down like this, uh, they come out strong and they come out hitting hard, and, and they're going to make you pay. And if you don't have stellar goaltending, then you're kind of screwed. And, and that's what happened. Like I said, they have too much. They have too much guys that can put the puck in the net, and too many guys that want to be th- that guy to bring them back. It's just it was just one of those games where I, when people were all happy, my buddy would say, "Oh, you know, Ducks got this." I just I had that feeling too. I know I know how Colorado plays. I think they're going to come back. I didn't think it was going to be eight to four, but I thought they were going to come back and make it interesting and maybe win by one or two. Yeah, I mean you're right, and and they did. They turned it on. They came back. I think you're correct too. And then changing the goalie that was a smart move on them, and the Ducks just couldn't answer. And, and you know the Ducks have during the, a lot of these games they had to roll with Miller because as we'll talk about later, uh, Gibson's been out and unfortunately you know injured. So uh, just a mess. And so the Ducks decide to bring up uh, Jamie Drysdale and make that debut. And they, they started out poorly in this game against Arizona, but they ended up uh, rallying. You know, they had Drysdale getting his first goal and Zegers getting his first goal. And then the Ducks were able to rally and come back and win this one 3-2 uh, to two after a poor start where they were down early. But uh, they pulled the trigger, Eddie. I, I was surprised because... We weren't sure. We knew Zegers was up. Drysdale, you know, what was going to happen. Again, more injury stuff that we'll get into later. But uh, this game at least was an exciting one uh, with both of them and and seeing them both score together. Their first goals, even though Drysdale was kind of iffy. We weren't sure if he got it or if it was tipped or whatnot. But, uh, of course, out of all the games, this was the only good game in the last week. Oh, yeah. I, I want to kind of rewind a little bit about Hunter Miska. It sucks because... After that, uh, he was ended up getting sent down. The Avs made a trade, got a new goalie, but 
he recently deleted all his social media because he was getting a bunch of hate and slack about his play from different people. About He said about, what, 20 to 30 messages that are just people just talking crap about him. He just said it wasn't worth it. It just brings me to, the, I don't know, I just... If if one of these players aren't playing that well, especially someone that's that's new, as recent call up, only had six games in the NHL in net, and he's and he's getting lit up, and I think is the hardest position to play. And these people are, are running their mouth for him to delete social media. Like it's, I think I just is ridiculous. I just want to point out that you, you don't have to be an asshole on social media and talk all this shit. If you really have something to say, just be a man and say it to someone's face. But Running your mouth to these athletes and because you hide behind a screen. I, I'm sorry, but you're a little bitch if you do that. I apologize for my language. It's just things like that really frustrate me because I, I know the family hears it too. And I'm, I'm sure some of the Ducks players that aren't playing that well, I'm sure there's people going in their DMs and tagging them and talking crap to them. And I just think that's that's the most pathetic and you're a huge nothing loser if you're one of those people that, that sit there and do that or could contribute to him having to delete his social media. Just be better and be a better person. And if you really have that problem to say with, with someone, go to their face and confront them. Be a man about it or a woman about it. I know plenty of women that can, can scrap or knock you out if you get into their face and talk crap. But yeah, I just wanted to point that out. And, you know, he, he didn't play that bad. He was just an inexperienced goalie. And the goals that were scored on him weren't really that bad of goals that he gave up. It, the Ducks just made some perfectly good shots. So I want to throw that out there just before we get into the Arizona time. No, that, that's fine. And, I mean, the Ducks players have done that too. We've seen Cam Fowler get off social media. And there's been a few other players that have done the same thing. And, honestly, if I was a professional player, I wouldn't be on social media. I just wouldn't because there's just too many people out there, especially Twitter. Twitter's like the worst place. Uh, people just love to run their mouths on Twitter, and they think it's funny. They they just love it on there. I don't know why. Twitter is like a cesspool of hate, um, unfortunately. That's just the way it is. The other platforms aren't quite as bad, but people do that, and that's that's what they do. They go on there, and they think it's funny, and they want to blow people up, and and uh, you know that's why we don't really engage in any of that behavior. I, I just don't think that that's a healthy way. I like to promote the Ducks and hockey. And yes, if a player does poorly, we talk about it and everything. But I'm not going to go, yeah, I'm not going to bash them and go after them and, and tag them or DM them like, you know, you're a horrible player. And that sucks that that happened for him in Colorado. And it's an un- unfortunate part of today's society that, you know, I didn't know that since you brought that up, Eddie, um, that that happened. Yeah, I just it just fires me up. I read that a few, I read that the other day. It just fired me up. Like, come on, like this poor guy. He's, he's still he's only twenty five. He's still young. I mean, for NHL age, but he's a goalie, so they come up and mature a little bit slower. But give him some slack. He's out there doing, like I said, one of the hardest positions you can in hockey, and he just had some bad games. And fortunate for him, he can go back down, like tune up those those games, and hopefully be a better goalie. It's happened before goalies come up at an older age and tear it up. Look at Tim Thomas. He wasn't young when he you know, became a star and won, won a cup and everything like that. I don't know. That, that just fired me up, and I wanted just to address that. Just you know, It's not just the Avalanche players. I'm sure a lot of Ducks players are getting that. I'm sure a lot of other teams' players get that. I, just, I think it's so stupid that people do that. It's just really annoying. And like you said, yeah, Twitter has a lot of people like that. I don't, I don't understand what, what's the logic of it, and if people feel good about Bash, like sending a DM to a goalie telling me you suck or something. Like, what's the point of that? I, I don't see it. But if it makes people feel better just to, to be that big of a loser, then I guess that's what it takes for those losers. Yeah. I mean, that that's part of our society, unfortunately. But uh, 
with the Ducks, you know, you had uh, Drysdale come up. Finally, that's how the Ducks decided to get out of this losing streak. Um, after, you, you know, as we talked about with Colorado, and they, um, they started out poorly, as I talked about, and then they came back and won this game. Like I said, a little bit of confusion on Drysdale's first goal, but uh, he ended up finally getting credit for it. He also got an assist in this game. Zegras finally got through. Um, he's been close so many times. And he was able to punch it in. So this was obviously the Ducks' best game and most exciting game. The first you know, five, six minutes wasn't so great. Ducks turned it on in the second period and ended up winning in overtime on the power play. Adam Henrique, who, by the way, uh, now is tied for the team lead in goals. Uh, if you remember, he was waived and then tried to be traded. So kind of interesting story there with him. But uh, the Ducks pulled this one off, and this is what I'm talking about, uh, watching these games. People are like, oh, why do you watch, and, and, and why do you stay on this? Well, all right, this is what I'm looking for. I'm looking for these young guys to come up and play, and I'm not going to lie. I watch a lot of this because of Zegris and Drysdale and the way that they uh, handle themselves, and I, I like what I see, especially when they're on the ice together in the power play. I think they do extremely, extremely well. Uh, I like what I'm seeing from both of them, Eddie. Yeah, this is the first time you can, you can kind of see an identity getting formed in Anaheim. And the identity is behind Drysdale and Zegers. You can see how these two players are special and how the Ducks should start building the team around this whole youth movement around them. They're fun to watch. They want the puck more. They want to create opportunities. Drysdale, I said, probably needed another uh, another year before he can be, be NHL ready to be called up. I, I was wrong. He looks ready already. He looks like he belongs there. He looks... How how he's walking the line right there, creating opportunities, head up the whole time, not afraid to throw the puck on net. It was fun to see. It was a great debut and something even better after the game. But I think it was a great game overall. The Ducks were down. They rallied back. And Zegers finally gets his first goal. Beautiful little toe drag. And finally gets it. Hopefully that monkey's off his back. And he starts finding the score sheet more, which he has. Not with goals, but... He's getting there. He's still his first year. It was really fun to watch. It's one of those games where you're watching in misery all the other games, them losing, them dropping games. But you have a game like this, and you're like, yes, you get fired up. This is why I watched. And I'm glad I got to watch this one kind of live. So that was, well, not live. I got to watch it live at my house, but not live, live. But this would have been a game to be fun to see in person. I, I think this would be a game where you're not really mad about spending $20 on a beer. It's just awesome. Yeah, I mean, there was a lot of stuff going on in this. You had Getzloff getting his 700th assist, uh, Miller getting his 390th win to pass uh, Hashik on that all-time win list. So some good stuff there. Some NHL firsts, obviously. And I really liked what I saw with Drysdale. Uh, I, you know, like we were talking about, Bell, uh, you know, being NHL ready. I, I think he is. Looking at his positioning defensively, um, he, he's almost always in the right spot. I like how he's able to transition the puck out of the zone and get it going the other way. He seems pretty calm under pressure. And, you know, overall, I just like what I see from him. I, I, I might start a debate here, but I, I think he's more NHL-ready than Zegras at this point. Um, and that's nothing against Zegras. I, I think Zegras can hang, too. I just think in the overall two-way game uh, that Drysdale brings, it's, it's very, very impressive. Yeah, and we're actually missing like one of our best. Def- or we are missing our best defenseman in Lindholm, so he 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 fills that void. Uh, like I said, he, he played great. I, I loved it. I love how you said he he's calm. He he seemed like he was calm at times. Seeing him play, I didn't even know it was uh, Drysdale because he just looked like a vet out there at sometimes. But it, it was a really good. It, it was fun to watch these guys. It was even better to see them 
get their first goals together. And the, the, the picture that was taken of both of them is just priceless. That's going to be a picture shared for many years to come. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that, and that's what we were talking about, the future of the team, right? And uh, so, you know, you felt good after this game. And you're like, okay, cool, you know. And then they play Arizona again. And, yeah, not so much. They, they, they just get down early in this one. And... You thought, okay, well, they're down by two again early. Everything will be fine. We can, you know, come back against Arizona again. Oh, wait, there's a power play goal at the end of the first period. Now they're down by three. <laughs> and they're just like, damn, man. And, and then they add another one, of the, you know, and they're down four. And it's just like, oh, my God. It, it, this just was horrible. They just got off to a bad start again against Arizona. They couldn't recover. Um, Henrique got another goal, which was good. Like we said, he's tied with Comtois now in the team lead. Uh, probably the only bright spot of the game, but a little frustrating um, that, you know, it, oh man, you, you thought that uh, uh, they were going to have a good chance at uh, maybe taking two in this one, especially after the last game. It builds some momentum, but uh, not so much, Eddie. Yeah, you know what? And I don't know if... I think... All the games that I cover the recap on are all the games that the Ducks lose. <laughs> it's like it's a trend. It's a it's a trend that's not, I don't like. I I, I can't re- recall a recap I wrote where the Ducks won. I mean, they only had nine wins, so I mean, it's not really. <laughs> I'm getting an opportunity, but still, it's like, is it me? But then when I don't write them, they lose too, so I really don't feel bad. But yeah, it just one of those games. It, it sucked because the Coyotes were on a really bad losing streak too. And the Ducks should have took advantage of that. They came back that first game and beat a, beat them to extend their losing streak, the, the Coyotes' losing streak, but the Ducks just didn't take advantage of it, and they made this team look way better than they were. It's just, that's what pissed me off the most. Zegers gets an assist in that game, so it extended his point streak, so that was good to see. I talked about earlier wanting him to get in the score sheet more. But it's just one of those games where I like, I wrote on my recap too, because I usually throw my. Uh, constructive criticism at them but I just turned it away and did some more positive things it played decent in the third and they I had probably like one of the best power play possessions I've seen in in a while if not in the entire season they they didn't score but they just they gassed their the, the Arizona uh, uh, penalty kill out and they looked great doing it and I thought a goal was going to come and unfortunately it didn't but at least uh, you see something going on with Zegras and Drysdale. Something like we can hope to see in more more of the future, and hopefully those points keep coming for Zegras, and he just gets used to getting the, on the score sheet as much as he can. Yeah, like I talked about, when you see both of them on the power play, I'm almost like, you know what, man, just give one of them the puck and just let them do their thing. <laughs> I mean, oh yeah, they're fun. To yeah, watch. they're doing great. They're able to you know keep get some more possession in there, get some solid passes, create some chances and whatnot. So that, that's the other part that I like to watch is when they do get a power play and things happen with them. Now, kind of interesting thing happened. The Ducks then played the Wild. They ended up losing 2-1. to one. We saw Manson come back. Remember, he's been like in and out with injuries and whatnot. The dreaded 11 forward, 7 defenseman lineup returned, which I completely dis hate unless you're using the 7th defenseman to play forward on the 4th line, which the Ducks don't do. So I, I don't know why they're using this. Uh, I, I really irritated me, and uh, you could tell the Ducks ended up getting gassed towards the end of the game here. Now, a big thing that you and I always harp on is chemistry. You know, you talk about plus minus, you talk about all these advanced stats and puck possession and all that stuff. But it's really hard when you have eleven forwards 
and you don't have the lines set up. You're, I mean, you're constantly having to move some things around and whatnot. Seven defensemen is not really a big deal because you're resting one, and, and you know you're kind of rotating some of the pairings. It's not as much uh, as a disturbance or you know disruption into their play. But with the forward thing, I, I don't like that when you don't have twelve. And it seemed to kind of bite this team in the end because uh, I did the recap on this one. I really just focused towards the end of the game. I I was really not happy with Akins and what. He did because we talked about the power play and how well Zegras and uh, Drysdale looked in those last two games against Arizona. And then here you got a power play with two minutes and 14 seconds left to go in the game and they're not out there. And on top of that, you could tell the guys looked a little worn out. You have a timeout. You don't use the timeout. So, you know, I just that kind of bugged me because I thought the Ducks played a decent game for the most part. Um, You had Terry with a great goal early on. Yeah, the the Ducks, you know, got you know behind early in the third, but I thought overall this was one of the most even games that they played going back and forth. The shots were pretty even, the faceoffs were even, the chances and whatnot. But I just I can't stand that lineup. And and the other thing was that Comtois got benched in this game. You're, he's your tied leading scorer at this point with Henrique. Yeah, he made a couple of mistakes in the game before. He didn't get to play as much in that game. I totally get that move by Akins. Okay, he, he did some bonehead things. He didn't play him as much in the game. Fine. But then, again, he benches him here the next game. Kind of like a, a, a Henrique situation um, when he uh, had a poor game against St. Louis and then was benched the second one. You see that here with him. And uh, I'm just not a fan of that. I, I mean, I think Comtois should have played in this game. Uh, if you're bringing back Manson, uh, roll with the sixth defenseman. And if you have to limit his minutes a little bit, then you limit his minutes a little bit. Or guess what? Don't play him. Bring him back in another game. I mean, you have Drysdale up here now. Lean on him. Um, I, I don't know. This 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 one just, of all the games, I mean, the Colorado game really bugged me. But this one bugged me, especially towards the end, Eddie. Oh, I hate the Wilds. So this pissed me off even more. But you know what? Can we talk about how uh, Troy Terry's backhand tuck? That was under. That was a beautiful, beautiful goal he scored. I loved it. But yeah, like you said too, questionable decisions made at the end. And who knows if they would have called that timeout? If they would have put the the hungrier players out there, that could have created something. But they didn't. It just it just goes to question Aikens' coaching ability now. And we've been uh, defending him a lot on the podcast this season, but things like that, it's really hard to justify the actions of that. And this whole 11 forward, 7th defense feeling, yeah, I, it doesn't make sense to me at all. I don't know why teams do it sometimes. It just annoys me. And if you're going to do that, why don't you try one of the those D guys on, on forward? It's not going to hurt. Trust me, it's not going to hurt the Ducks' chances of scoring any goals because they haven't really been doing that that much this season. I think the last defenseman they tried that out on was Holzer. I don't know if it was last season or the season before when they had him on that fourth line for one game. Uh, but it's just, yeah, I, I don't know why uh, Max was, was scratched that game. If it was not feeling well. or I, I, It just doesn't make any sense to do that. You have a taxi squad, too, you can call up and bring players and, and have them participate and play. It just 11 forward, 7 D, just not make, make any sense to me at all. Yeah, and it, it seemed like it <clears throat> bit the team. You know, in the end there. But Aikens had some things he could have done to try to minimize that and fix it. And then, you know, like I said, Ducks may not have gotten the the tying score there. But, man, give your players a rest. Put out your two, like, teenage kids that uh, have been playing pretty well uh, since they've been up with the Ducks. So, Ducks end up dropping that one. And, 
I mean, that's it. I mean, you can't really, like I said, I, I don't watch this team and I don't care about wins or losses. And I know that's extremely difficult for a lot of people. I, I talked to some of my other friends about this and we're in the same boat and the same agreement. We're trying to look at what's going on as far as the process and the lineups and everything. And then, of course, this game makes me mad because I, I don't like the lineup and I don't like the coaching decisions. So that added to it. So that's the other part of it. That, that's getting a little bit frustrating here is when you're not uh, utilizing your lineup or players in the best manner. So hopefully that doesn't happen the rest of the season, but we've seen some questionable decisions and uh, it's just been frustrating. So that kind of leads to, to go ahead, Eddie. Yeah. I was going to, I was going to say too, I don't know if it was me yesterday or not, but I think this game was probably one of the most boring ducks games I've seen all season too. But I still think the Ducks should have won this game. But it was just, I don't know if you got that feel from it, from both teams too. Both teams didn't seem to have that energy to play yesterday. The, the game just seemed like it was just kind of dragging on. And I was I was glancing down on my phone a lot. And I know when I'm glancing down on my phone a lot during a game, uh, it's probably usually either I'm bored or the game was boring. But I don't know what you thought about that, Mike. If you thought if it's just me thinking the game was like that, or if this game was boring to you as well. Yeah, unfortunately, this was one of the ones that I, I agree with you. I, I felt with uh, Zegras playing, the games have been more exciting, more energy. Drysdale too as well, but this one definitely was a little bit of a sleeper, unfortunately, uh, until the end. The end, you know, when the Ducks got that power play and all that, and then then yeah, I just got frustrated. I, I was just like, really, I was just pissed off at that point, but. So that leads to really the, the our next segment on the show, which we talked about last time, was trade rumors. A bunch of stuff came up. Uh, we've got fan questions, of, of course, about Akins and Murray as well because people are just fed up, and I don't blame you at all. So we'll go with a little bit of an update from Murray about the team here. Uh, Pierre Lebrun had an article in The Athletic where he talked to Murray, uh, pull a couple quotes from it and things that he talked about. And I, and I think this is kind of interesting. And then we'll kind of go into some updates. We talked about uh, Raquel and some players that could be traded, but there was obviously more stuff that came out in the last week. But with the trade deadline coming up here in a couple weeks, I, I personally thought before that maybe the Ducks would do a lot of stuff because all these rumors keep coming out. Uh, some of them, have, Eddie and I have said, are, are completely BS. Or others, you know, you want to kind of monitor and see if more is going to come out or, or what's going on. But from this last article, I don't know really what's going to happen at this trade deadline. I, I don't think as much is going to happen because some of the things that Murray talked about is, as far as trading is he says that it can't just be all for draft picks. I got to start getting some younger prospects, uh, end quote. So that's one thing he's talking about. Sounds like he's trying to transition the team into a more ready team now. He's not trying to get a bunch of Max Jones, come to all steal, you know, players that are just straight out of the draft or just, uh, you know, a year or two in the league. He wants more NHL ready type players, which is which is good because we've talked about that. We need that mix. So that part's a little good. But then the concerning part is, is when they talk to him about what's going on and if his phone's going off and all this other stuff, he says, quote, it's really quiet. And they said that he mentions different things as far as, obviously, the pandemic. We, you and I have talked about that on the show, trying to trade players, especially between Canada and U.S. and dealing with all that, laws and all that stuff, which I don't even want to get into. That, that We could do a whole separate podcast on that. But there's that issue. Of course, the expansion draft coming up with Seattle. That's a, a, another thing that's hanging over people. And then uh, the financial aspect, too, with the cap, right? You're not getting this big increase or anything like that. So you got to deal with that as well. So... I don't know what you think, Eddie, but 
I'm really not as excited for the trade deadline. I, I, I mean, we'll go into individual players and who we think uh, could be traded or not. But overall, I mean, I, I mean, I, I think the Ducks will definitely try to do some things. But in the the big scheme of things, like the whole league and the Ducks, I don't think this trade deadline's really going to be that exciting. If I'm wrong, I hope I'm wrong. But I, I don't see like fireworks. I, I just kind of. I don't know. That's just kind of the feeling I'm getting uh, from reading this and some other articles and things that I've seen. No, I, I don't think so either. I'm still waiting for Murray's uh, his 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 yearly annual trade. It usually happens November December when the season starts. I know it's gonna it's weird now because the season started later, but I'm still waiting for that trade. I'm still uh, waiting for the Mackenzie Weger guy to come from Florida over here. Uh, so I'm, I'm waiting for something something as of that magnitude for him to make a trade prior to the deadline but i'm not gonna like i don't expect any blockbuster or bigger trades it's gonna be little small trades here and there maybe future considerations maybe retaining maybe picking up a guy that has a high cap hit right now that's on a one-year deal that expires you know in the off season so another team can make a move maybe something like that who knows but i i wouldn't be banking on this this big big trade deadline we have to stop and think too the expansion drafts coming so you, if Murray wants to make a move and protect a player or, or to retain some salary for another player to send him to Seattle, that's always an option too. But I can't see him going and going crazy at the trade deadline at all. Yeah, I, I'm with you. And you know, we'll talk about some of the names that came up. Obviously, Raquel's name is like the number one name that keeps coming up everywhere you turn. Raquel, Raquel, Raquel. Uh, so he's number two on the athletic trade bait list. And then he's number three on TSN's list. And so then Pierre Lebrun talked about him and, and possibly going to Toronto. Uh, Rodin Amiroff is a one player he mentioned and another asset. Uh, Amiroff's a, a, a young dude, good speed, stick handling, solid shot. Uh, kind of needs some work on his defensive game in some other areas. But that was one that they brought up. Another one that later came on was, uh, and this one's kind of crazy, but a first-round pick, Tim Lilligren, Alex Kerfoot, and then the Ducks would retain 300000 of Raquel's salary uh, was another proposed one. So a lot of this stuff going on. Um, and then you had Elliot Freeman weighing in too, which I don't know what's going on with that guy because <laughs> he's like, oh, Calgary and Toronto and all these guys are you know going to go for Raquel. And then he's like, oh, the price is too high. It's not going to get traded. Which led to our tweet of, you know, you're going to trade Raquel, you're not going to trade Raquel, and back and forth, right? Um, that's why I ended up posting that, because it's like, what the heck is going on with this? So, I, you know, I look at those two trade ideas that they talked about in The Athletic. I think the the first one is more realistic, trying to get, um, you know, if you get a off and then you get some other NHL-type-ready asset, I, I think that's more likely. The other one seems kind of far-fetched, because you're looking at, you know, first-round pick, prospect and a roster player yes the ducks would try to retain some salary but i don't know i, I think that's a, that's a little bit of a stretch um you know but it's interesting to read the comments because a lot of leafs players kind of downgrade or excuse me leafs fans they uh, downgrade raquel is like not being a top six forward in some of the comments i've th- seen and things like that and i just laugh i'm like you guys don't really watch raquel play do you he's he's the top six forward so you know, you want to downgrade what you want to offer. I, I get that, but don't don't downgrade Raquel. Okay, he, he's a pretty damn good player. So I, I don't know. What do you think about these trade possibilities uh, and everything with Raquel? Since he's been obviously the biggest you know topic or player that's been discussed with the Ducks in the last couple of weeks uh, for being traded. 
I don't know if the Ducks are going to want another Russian player. I mean, they already picked one in the draft. I don't think they're, they're going to want another one. They, they've been kind of like anti-Russia for a while for some reason. But it's just, oh, you know what? I do like Kerfoot. I mentioned Kerfoot, too. He was on the Avalanche. He's a good, really good player. He can solidify a third uh, third line, play on the penalty kill. I do like that, but I just, I, I, I really can't see Raquel going. And if you were going to trade him, like we talked about last time, you should have traded him when he was on that, that, that point heater. Uh, you could have got a really overpayment return on that. Um, I, I can't see it happening. Toronto, of course, their fans are nuts. They, they're, they, they're crazy over there. I love it, though. I, to, if, if you bring in Raquel, instantly it's going to boost them up. And if you're going to make a swap like that for Raquel with, with his potential being high, you're going to have to trade someone bigger. You have to go bigger. Uh, maybe a, a Marner type of player, a big package deal for that. Um, I'm, 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 you know what? I'm so kind of, kind of like confused that a lot of fans didn't bring this up. And I know there's some crazy Ducks fans out there that brought this up already. But why not just trade Raquel and bring in Freddie Anderson back? I know that conversation came up somewhere. I'm glad it didn't blow up though, because I know some uh, some people are still pissed off about that trade that happened years ago. But I, it's, it's hard for me to want to see Raquel leave too as a fan. Uh, he's one of my top favorite players. I have his jersey, met him a few times, so it's, I have that attachment to him. But as a business aspect of it, whatever makes the Ducks better than to go for it. But I think the more they wait and the more he goes on this pointless streak, his his value decreases, and to get that overpayment for him is going to be a lot harder. So it's, like some of these are interesting deals and interesting things that have been popped up, but there's have to be some kind of tweaks to, to add to this to make it really that, I guess, watery. Like mouth-watering for the Ducks and, and for fans to like. I, I would like Wayne Simmons coming back in any trade to the Ducks. Cause I like the way he plays. And I like his grit and physicality to the game. That would be kind of fun to see him play for the Ducks. Yeah, I, I'm really torn on this one. I think, like you said, on a personal level, I wouldn't want Raquel traded. But if the Ducks could get some kind of overpayment for him, then by all means go for it. But I, I just don't really see it happening right now. I think you're right. I think that that momentum was kind of about a week ago or so. Uh, I mean, he could blow it up in the next couple of weeks before you know the trade deadline and, and, and make it higher. But I'm kind of 50-50, maybe 40-60 no that he won't get traded. But I, um, he's the one that's out there and talked about the most. So those are kind of the latest things on Raquel. Another player's name that was mentioned in The Athletic was Josh Manson. He was listed at number four on their trade bait list. And, you know, Manson, I, I don't think he will get moved. I, I think a big issue for him has been his uh, health this season. He's been off and on the ice, injured, you know, finally came back. But then we've seen this where they, they've played him, but then had the seven defensemen in those games against Colorado a little while back. And then they have this here with another uh, seven defensemen uh, game. Something's going on with him. He's not 100%. Um, you can tell because why is Aikens trying to crutch him by playing seven defensemen? So, yes, he's the stay-at-home type defenseman, right-handed shot, big guy, a lot of appealing things that uh, a lot of people talk about. But just the way that he is right now, I, I, I wouldn't even put him on the trade bait list, to be honest. I would take him off that list or I'd have him uh, you know, towards the bottom. I, I just don't see him. Uh, holding a lot of value. I mean, may, maybe somebody out there will, will want to take a bite at him and go for it. But uh, I don't know. I, I just don't see him really getting uh, moved, Eddie. 
Yeah, that's going to be a tough one to sell, especially with his, his frequent uh, him being frequent uh, fre- frequently injured. We haven't really seen him come back to full form and be that that top four defenseman that he is. Um, I, I just can't see see him that going. And we, we need a player like Josh Josh Manson on that back end, that physical player, that stay home defenseman that can create plays too. At his peak, he's a really good defenseman. It's just something the Ducks can build off of and someone they need so unless someone really comes at them and throws them a huge tantalizing offer i I can't see him getting moved and i i think they should really think twice about moving a player like him because if they move manson you really don't have that that kind of grit that you need with that skill at at, on the blue line as your top four you kind of lose that on that i agree and i i honestly think the ducks should just try to rest him the rest of the season at this point I mean, may you know, get him in there, maybe limit his minutes or rest him because he keeps coming in and out. He, he's obviously not 100%. Uh, he's not playing terrible, but I would try to just minimize what's going on with him right now. I mean, if that's what uh, it's going to take to get him a little bit better uh, or if you're going to try to trade him or whatnot because doing putting him out there and then having to do seven defensemen, that's just not helping anybody. If he can't go out there and play in, in a six defenseman role, then bench him, let him heal up, or you know, you, you, you knock him down on his minutes. You got to do something. But I, I don't see him as being one that they are really big on, um, you know, in, in that that trade bait list. They also mentioned three other names in the athletic. They talked about Heinen, Henrique, and Silverberg. And I also I forgot to mention I did write an article about all this. Uh, uh, it was uh, to be traded or not to be traded article. So if you didn't see that one, go check it out. I really went into depth on this. But they talk about these three players. And I, along with Raquel, Heinen is the one I would really, really watch. Uh, of course, we've heard all that stuff with Vancouver and Britannian and all that stuff that was talked about. But the biggest thing is, is you look at the games that he's played. The first 18 games this season, he played in 17 of them. The last 15, he only played in six. So to me, the fact that his name's been thrown out there um, uh, by the Athletic and being traded to Vancouver, I, I don't know if that will happen. I, I hope not. I'm not a big Vertanen fan. But the fact that he's not been playing a lot, I mean, you have to wonder, is he in the Dallas Aikens or Bob Murray doghouse? What's going on? I mean, he's not getting a lot of ice time. He finally got in a couple games and scratched again. So... I would take Raquel and Heinen right now. Those are kind of the ones that I, w- I would watch, Eddie. Yeah, I can't see Heinen being a duck after the trade deadline at all. And I don't know what happened when we brought him. I thought it was I thought it was a good deal. I thought we were going to see him, you know, be a better player and get get to that you know, that point where he was at Boston when he gets kind of slipped off over there. But he really hasn't seemed like they utilize him enough at all this season so I don't know what's going on with that like you said he may be in the doghouse that happens a lot to players where they don't get that opportunity once they get into that doghouse it's kind of hard to get out but it's going to be interesting to see and you know what honestly I kind of want him to be traded like let him get that opportunity somewhere else obviously he's not getting it in Anaheim which could can use a player and use anyone to get any kind of spark but him being scratched frequently as he is it's just this is kind of weird so it'd be really it really interesting to see him being a duck moving past the trade deadline and i don't see it happening at all yeah i'm with you i i wish they would play him more but if they're not you, well you might as well trade him to a team where he's going to get you know some time to play and then we get something in return so 
I think that he's there's a good chance that he could be gone. Now, the other ones that they, of course, mentioned was Henrik and Silverberg. These ones, I, I just don't see them happening as much. I mean, yeah, they, it could happen. But if you look at both their contracts, um, they're both signed till 23-24 season. Uh, you have Henrik at 5.8 a year. You have uh, Silverberg at 5.25 a year. Uh, of course, we all know about Henrik. He got benched, then he got waived, and then a taxi squad, and now he's back, and, and now he's scoring goals, and he's tied with Comtois to lead on the team, getting his game back a little bit. But I, I just don't see it with these two. Um, I really don't. And, and if, if I'm wrong and they do do something, then if, if that's going to happen, they're going to have to compensate because they, they got these longer contracts and, and higher uh, annual costs. So that's where I'm at with these two, Eddie. Yeah, and if you trade Henrique, you're going to have to retain salary or you're going to have to give up something else. You're, there's not going to be a team that's going to just take him with his contract as is unless you add something. So if you trade him at this point, you're going to be losing something. You're going to be losing a valuable second-line second, uh, second, second line center that, that's that's getting some uh, get, that's been fired up since his wave. But no one's going to take that contract. And I talked about this before. I'm thinking if, if he's going to get traded, it's going to be in the offseason, maybe with uh, with the Seattle draft coming up. They can retain salary and trade him to Seattle in exchange for Seattle picking up XYZ player, just like the, the, the Clayton Stoner kind of thing. That's where I can see him being traded. I can't see him being traded uh, this season or the deadline. Silverberg. I think Silverberg has a bigger chance of being traded than Henrique this season, but still Silverberg's not playing to you know to that form to that to that deal he signed. So once again, you're not going to get that big of a return for a player like Silverberg without having to give up something. Because I can't see getting that much of a return for Silverberg right now. Yes, he has potential. Yes, he could put the puck in the net and he could produce offensively, but he hasn't this season especially on this struggling team where he can have more of the opportunity. He's he's one of the, the players that people look at to be that big points producer for the Ducks, and he's not doing that right now. I don't see these big moves happening. It's too much, to, too many wheels turning for Murray in the uh, to handle, especially the trade deadline. So I think, uh, yeah, it's definitely not going to happen. Uh, Heinen, for sure, I think it's going. Even Nick Deloria, I think some teams might get a might call on him. To, they might want that grit, especially going into the playoffs. He's a possibility to be traded. I don't see it, though, but I think Heinen and Deloria have more of a chance, uh, definitely have more of a chance of getting traded than Silverberg and Henrique at this point. Yeah, and just real quick on Deloria, uh, Pittsburgh Hockey Now was saying that the Penguins might be in on him for the grit. So, you know, keep an eye on Deloria. I, I don't think that's, you know, as big of a one either, but uh, his name has been thrown out there as well. And then I, I know you and I are saying no for sure. Well, you might be happy with going to Pittsburgh. You might finally get a Pittsburgh jersey. Yeah, I could. <laughs> yeah, that might work. And then, uh, I don't know, the, the the Anaheim Fight Club shirt, though, I'd have to kind of change the colors to, to gold and black instead of uh, orange and black. <laughs> oh, how dare you. I know, I'd have, to change, I'd have to change it. Which, by the way, tpnhockey.com, you check it out uh, for our shirts and whatnot. But uh, moving along with some of the other names out there. This other one was interesting. I don't know what's going on with Elliot Freeman. I don't know if he's just trying to like catch headlines lately or whatever, but he also mentioned Troy Terry and saying something about how he might want out and all the stuff. But then I was cracking up because Eric Stevens had an article like literally the next day saying that uh, that, that wasn't the case. So I don't think Terry's going to get moved uh, based upon that. I For me, I trust Eric Stevens over Elliot Freeman, at least when it comes to Duck stuff. 
you know, uh, don't get me wrong, Elliot Freeman's you know one of the big names and he covers the league and everything. But when it comes to duck stuff, I I, I usually trust Eric, and I'll and I've talked to him a little bit this season, kind of offline about certain things too, and he's refuted certain things that have been thrown out there um, here and there. And this was one of them that he he did in an article. So I don't see Terry going anywhere. They mentioned Max Jones was a no go. Uh, we talked. I threw some other names in the article. You look, you know, Comtois, Steel, Mahura, all these kind of players, things like that. I'm not really going to go into it too much, other than if the Ducks do trade one of these guys, they better get a damn well good return. They better get like a really high draft pick or someone that's ready to go and play. Because if they're just going to swap out similar type players, I just think that's a waste of time, Eddie. Oh yeah, I totally agree with you. And a big shout out to Eric Stevens. I love his work. I'm a fan of his. And- He's a, a top-notch guy, a great writer. He puts out so much good information. But, yeah, the Ducks have to make, I guess, not not make trades and make trades, but they have to make trades that are going to really put them to have a successful future. You can't you, you can't give up on guys early. You, you can't do that right now. We have to we have to make smart decisions. And I, I really hope, honestly, I hope the Ducks don't make any trades at all. I don't, I don't trust Murray at this point making trades. I, I for some in my back of my mind hoping that he gets he gets relieved of his duties or he resigns on his own. We bring a new GM and they can build off that new GM's plan and start making those trades. I just don't want him to to kind of put poke too many holes in the boat and we're sunk to the ground before we can we can actually do something. Yes, we're re- rebuilding, but I don't think we're in a bad situation like Detroit or Ottawa or Buffalo. I don't know what's going on in Buffalo. They have superstar players and they still suck. <laughs> I guess that <laughs> that's even bad for them, but I don't know. I, I just I, I don't I don't have faith in Murray at all to to do anything. That's why if the Ducks don't make a trade, don't make anything big splashes with the next coming few uh, few months, I, I wouldn't be upset about that. I just I, I want a new GM and I want that new GM to build the team, not Murray's team. Yeah, and we'll go into that in just a second because I got a couple more players just to cover. Which these names came up again uh, last game in the broadcast on uh, NBC with the Ducks uh, against the Wild. They mentioned Getzloff and Gibson again. And I was just like, why are you guys even talking about these players? And they basically said what we already said. Like, they talked about Getzloff and and they said, um, yeah, you know, it's up to him. Well, duh. He has a no-movement clause. We already talked about that. And Murray's already come out and said that, you know, he has too much respect for Getzloff to, like, say, hey, dude, you want to get traded. So, I don't know why they brought that up during the game. They brought up Gibson again too, which I'm tired of that. I've already, I've already, I'm not really going to go into that. We already know that Buffalo, like you talked about, who's been struggling. You want to talk about a team doing poorly, right? <laughs> the Ducks are doing bad, but Buffalo is doing really bad. Uh, 14, 14 losses, uh, you know. So hey, not as bad as the Ducks, right? But their name was mentioned. Gibson's not going anywhere. Plus, Gibson's now injured too, so that that even makes his value go even down. He's on the damn IR. So forget that nonsense. And then Miller, Miller's playing like crap, unfortunately, lately. I feel bad for him. I don't think it's all on him, but he, he's not been quite playing as well. And we've already mentioned that issue. So I just throw those out there, Eddie. I don't know if you want to throw anything in there, but Getzloff, Gibson, and Miller, I, I put as like highly doubtful that they get traded uh, this season. I, I don't think uh, NBC talked about Getzloff being uh, being one of those players that being traded. They talked about the the unknown player that I don't know uh, that gets laughed <laughs> that they were talking about. I keep saying, you know what that irritates me. I don't know. I'm just annoyed sometimes. But I don't know why NBC always says gets laughed. Right. They've been saying that for it's like it's Getzloff. I, why do you keep saying it that way? I, I I don't know. Someone needs to write a letter. All fans that listen to this, 
Write a letter to NBC correcting their name. If not, I'm going to lose my mind, especially in a season like this where we're all having to, to watch the Ducks play extremely poorly. At least get the damn name right. But <laughs> but I, yeah, I think you're right. These three players, I don't think they're going to go. And I think if any of them were going to go, John Gibson would get the, I guess, the most news and big breaking news or uh, most attention, I should say, not news. But yeah, these three players aren't going anywhere. So don't count on them leaving. Um, yeah, I don't think Getzloff's going to request to be traded to a Stanley Cup team. I don't think Miller's going to request it. And he hasn't been playing well either, so his value might not be that great for a team to want to pick up. So I think these three players are safe to say they're staying. Absolutely. And, and unfortunately, uh, Akins and Murray, I, I really don't think they're going anywhere either. And I know you, you guys are going to throw stuff at your, your phone or your computer or whatever you're listening to on, on right now because you're like, say what? You know, these guys need to go and yada, yada. We've already beat a dead horse on that. I don't want to dwell on that. But I will give you a little bit more uh, info on what's going on. Um, You know, LeBrun talked about this again with Murray. And Murray was talking about bringing in another veteran coaching presence since Sutter uh, left for Calgary. So I thought that was interesting. So that basically tells you right there that he has no desire to get rid of Dallas Aikens, which I told you I had mixed feelings on because... My issue is you remove him and Murray's still there. That's not good enough for me. If you're going to remove Aikens, you got to remove Murray. That's that's what I talked about before on the last show if you didn't hear it. So it sounds like he's not going anywhere because he wants to bring in something, uh, somebody to help him, not replace him. And he said he was going to look into that during the offseason. So I, I, it doesn't look like much is going to change there, Eddie. I mean, unless the Ducks go on a 14-game losing streak like Buffalo, I, I don't see anything really happening with either one of these guys. Yeah, um, I'm calling this right now Mike Backpo- Mike Badcock back to the Ducks. He's coming back. He'll be that advisor, calling it now. I think he's coaching a college, helping, assisting, coaching a college team right now to get his, you know, his credibility back up. But I'm calling it right now. He's, he'll be back to the Ducks. So if that ever happens, and this is a source uh, from Trust Me Bro. Oh. So just not official. Uh, yeah, just before anyone starts saying, Ducks and Pucks said this, they have a source. No, my source is myself. Like, me looking in the mirror and saying, Trust Me Bro. But yeah, I, I just yeah, I don't know. This frustrates me. And yes, I know you guys are frustrated too. I'm frustrated as well. And and I always yeah, like I said, I, I don't want to wish someone get fired from their job, but in this situation where I'm sure Murray won't have a problem financially bouncing back from his termination and I'm sure he would get another chance elsewhere with another team but at this point i need we need change we need something there's only so much you can blame on the players on the system excuses all your fluffy words that you use i think your pr departments ran out of that that that, that's gone something needs to happen and and unfortunately i think akins will go before murray does but uh, it's just people that want both of them gone it's not going to happen so we rather I think we have a better chance of winning the lottery this year than seeing any of them go, unfortunately. If you do win the lottery, you guys are awesome. Remember, uh, I wear a size large in jerseys. <laughs> uh, I think we should start the hashtag, trust me, bro. That's a good one. You know, <laughs> I know. Uh, I think that's a good one we should start because some... Hey, a t-shirt source, trust yeah, me, Yeah, we should throw that one out there, man. <laughs> so when anybody's telling us, because I, I, get, I get sent some wild stuff and I just, I crack up. I'm not going to mention names or websites, but, but yeah, anyways, so some of the fan questions, you guys, uh, you know, Instagram, you guys blew us up, but uh, you asked a lot about this. As, as always, huh? Mike, too, I want to shout out the people on Instagram. You guys are freaking nuts, and I love you. You guys just 
throw us questions. You give us things to talk about. You give us ideas for new articles to write. You guys are awesome. Keep doing what you're doing. You guys make this fun. I, I post a, a thing asking for questions. I check back on it. I just like blown up. I'm like, holy crap. It's like over, a little overwhelming, but I love it. It's just keep keep doing what you're doing, guys. And unfortunately, with time, we can't get to all of them. But but we'll try as hard as we can. But we both really appreciate all that 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 feedback, those questions, especially in a season like this. So thank you for that, and keep 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 coming, keep those questions coming. Yeah, absolutely, and and, and that's what we had. We kind of answered some already. We had uh, Mighty since '93, and that dot one dot Grumas. They uh, you know asked about Aikens being fired. We we said it's it's at least not happening now, but maybe later. And, and as you said, he would be first before the GM. We had Blazer nine one six zero six says, you know, do you know we should start over basically with a new GM? You and I have talked about that on several shows. Yes, absolutely. Uh, we're like let's let's get this thing going, and that's what would need to be done. But will it be done? You know, not at least not anytime soon. We're we're both afraid that their contracts might run out, and then that's when a change would happen. Uh, these other questions, though, I thought were pretty pretty interesting. We had uh, Angel underscore Intruder. He's talks about should Solani come and coach the Ducks instead of Akins. And you know my answer is yes. But uh, you know, talking to him before because we've had him on the podcast, uh, not this. I can't remember when we last had him, but when I talked to him about this, I think he's enjoying life too much. I I, I would want him to go in there and do that. It'd be awesome, but I think he's just having too much fun right now, Eddie. Oh yeah, and I, I believe he said that uh, when he had, when he was on the show that being a, a coach is kind of like being a player. You put that much time, if not more, into the team, and he wasn't ready at that point in his life uh, to do that. But yeah, you can see follow him on Instagram. He's enjoying his life, and it's it's fun. It's it's really fun to see. He's always smiling, laughing, golfing, showing uh, his kids off, his daughter and her tennis his. Uh, tennis skills which tennis i think is one of the hardest sports in the world i had to play it in pe when i was in junior high and it was hard i got hit i was not happy that sport looks intense though but oh yeah should he become uh, you know what I, I don't know i'm mixed about this like in the future i don't know if i want him to become a ducks head coach it's just it takes a lot out of people i love Solani. Uh, if he doesn't do well people are gonna start like you know taking jabs at him then i'm gonna start fighting the anaheim fan base for attacking Solani. <laughs> I don't want to end up getting kicked out of Honda Center, and, and there it goes. I think a, a, a limited part-time role that he wants to do, coaching, uh, maybe developmental players, being one of those, uh, I guess, home coaches where you go and help out with that kind of atmosphere. Um, I, I think that would work for him, and you know, it's not overwhelming for him. He's still enjoying the life that that he deserves to enjoy. Maybe he go, he opens up the Aslani Bar, which I'd be there twenty four hours and. And 24 hours, seven days a week, that'd be pretty cool. He's doing great with his restaurant, which I went there a few weeks ago. Fortunately, he wasn't there. But no, I, I guess my answer would be no. I, I don't think he should be the coach. I mean, I, it would be cool to see, but at this point, no. And maybe the future, no either, because I, I just, I don't want, like I said, I just don't want it to turn out bad. And we had that 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 negative view of Slani. Slani is viewed as, I, I want to say, like our god in Anaheim. That's that's just our player, and we have so many great memories, and we wouldn't want him to turn into like a bad coach, like Wayne Gretzky was with the Arizona Coyotes, or I'm sorry, the Phoenix Coyotes at that time. Yeah, I was gonna bring that up. That's a good point that you talked about that. And then we we had uh, Gray Ken 13. He asked about Tamu having any interest, you know, even being in any kind of role behind the bench. And I think that's the only thing, as you mentioned, as if maybe uh, like a Scott Niedermeyer type thing, where when the Ducks are in town, he helps out things like that. 
I, I don't see him in any kind of full-time role. And I'm with you. I, I don't want him to be in any full-time role because I would just be afraid of, you know, something happening. It didn't work out. And, you know, he went out on such a high note. And, I, you know, I don't want anything to switch that so or change that. So I'm, I'm with you on that one. Um, we're getting towards wrapping this up. There is some more injury news. We, I talked about some of it in the show about Gibson being out. We know that Milano is also out on the IR. And then we talked about uh, Lindholm, you mentioned. He's out with the wrist thing. He was now added to the LTIR. And then uh, Carter Rowney, he had knee surgery, and he's out, and he's on the LTIR. So he had all that go on. And then we got hit with COVID protocol stuff, which the Ducks had been very, very good at dealing with this throughout the season. And now we found out that Heinen, Hutton, Larson, and Stolars all are in that protocol. And I know some of you were asking questions about, like, what does that mean? It, it can mean a couple things. So it, it can mean that somebody tested positive. It can mean that they were around somebody that tested positive. Uh, and the players may or may not be in a quarantine type status. So those are some things that are kind of going on with that. But it just adds to it, Eddie, right? It's like when it rains, it pours. We have guys going out on, on regular IR, long-term injury IR. We had no COVID stuff. Now now the Ducks eventually got hit with it. We're, we're going to blame your, your your favorite team, the Minnesota Wild, for this, right? So that's, that's what's going on, at least. They're saying the Ducks are still going to play that other game against Minnesota. So we're recording this before that, that second game. So it, it hopefully it will still go. But, uh, God, it just what a cluster, Eddie. You know, it's funny you bring Minnesota Wild up into this because they had issues when they played the Colorado Avalanche several weeks ago where they had to cancel those games or postpone them because of COVID-19 protocols because of the Minnesota Wild. So it's just funny that this happens again. And then, you know what, just to throw a little joke in it, and maybe it's not the right thing to joke about COVID or anything, but I don't know. I'm going to throw a joke because that's me. Uh, High name was probably going to be a healthy scratch anyway, so he wasn't going to play. So that's kind of not really a, kind of a big shocker, but... I don't know. Hopefully, it's just something that they were just in, in contact with. They don't get anything, nothing serious, and their health is okay. Um, it could be something where they went to eat somewhere, ordered food. I know some restaurants will have you put your email. So if anyone gets uh, like COVID nineteen within that restaurant, they will. I guess the CDC will send you an email saying that you you might have been exposed to get tested. Also, if they're going to any other public places. I went to a, a high school football game this weekend, and they had me put my email information in there just in case anyone in that area was uh, was positive for COVID-19, sending an email uh, advising you of that. So it could be one of those things, too. They went out to eat, or, or it could be anything, the players hanging out after, I don't know. But I just, I hope they're all okay, and 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 then you get back to it. But like you said, when it rains, it pours. So hopefully, just gives an opportunity to some of the guys from the taxi squad that have been like there. Maybe a few more calls from the goals to see what other players have to offer and see what we can be looking forward to in the future. I agree. I mean, the best thing is hopefully they're all fine and and, and nobody has any long term effects or anything like that. So you know, we'll get some updates obviously as that information comes out. We did do another uh, podcast poll question. And uh, this one was about Drysdale because uh, obviously the Drysdale era has begun. But as we talk about, like with a question mark, so Zegras has been up uh, past his uh, uh, you know seven game mark. The first year of his ELC was burnt. So the question is, you know, should Drysdale stay up or not? And you know, through that question out there on Facebook, I was a little surprised, but a majority of you said no. You said that Drysdale should go back down. Um, kind of interesting. 
a couple of you were, were talking about, you know, keep him up for the rest of the season. It's not going to hurt anything. That was uh, Tony Freed said that having him play now will only help him grow as a player. But then we've had other people like Jan that says, I don't think it's worth it to burn the first year. Um, let him play the minimum games allowed, then send him back. The other part of this equation, too, is we don't know what's going on with the OHL. So sending him down right now would be to the goals. It, because of the rules with the OHL, he would go over there instead. I, I don't know if that would sway some people's opinions on this or not. But I was surprised. I, I'm, I'm, and Eddie and I disagree on this. I'm more of the who cares, throw everything out the window, let him play, just do it. Uh, you know, give Zegras and, and Drysdale the puck as much as you can the rest of the season and just, just do it. <laughs> I, that's kind of my take on it. You know, like we said, you can't really look at wins or losses. You know, obviously, we're not even going to mention the word playoffs. Hello, that's not going to happen. So, as we talked about in the beginning of the season, they had a slim chance. Now the chance is completely zero. <laughs> so, but Eddie, you think that they should maybe let him play a couple games and then send him back down and not burn the first year? Am I correct in that? Yeah, send him down. Uh, the only way I would want him to stay up, if, if it's a possibility, where, or if the junior uh, hockey gets uh, figure out what they're going to do and he has to get sent down to the junior, then I'd be like, okay, well, bring him up because obviously uh, he's, I think he's going to be way too good for the junior uh, to play in the junior league, and it's doesn't really going to help his development. He's already where he belongs in the professional environment. If there's some way they can have these kind of players stay with their AHL professional teams, That'd be great. The experience he can learn, the development would be good. But I just don't think, like, why waste a year on his entry-level contract when we see this player that we can build off of and we can have that extra year on him? Um, he, he he does play well. He belongs in NHL. I think he is no problem. But I think the best bet to do is send him back down. And not because anything he's done wrong or because of his play. It's just... There's a lot of questions that need to be answered in Anaheim first. Uh, they, they don't know. It seems like at times they don't know what they're doing. Very, very questionable calls by the head coach. And it seems at times he doesn't really put them in those high-stress situations. It kind of – she shields them and handcuffs them where they can't really play to their full potential. Him with the goals, he's going to be playing in those high-stress, high-emergency situations when they need a goal or they need someone they can rely on. He can be that shoulder to lean on, and he can learn all like, to take that responsibility and to, be, to keep that calm demeanor under pressure. I just don't think it's right to bring these players up just to shield them and not let them really blossom and, and fly when you're just having holding them up all the time. Yeah, it's gonna be it suck if he gets sent down and people are gonna get mad. But I think it's the right thing to do to help his development and and, and also too, I just don't want him to get used to these losing ways and, and to just be content with losing because no matter who you are, if you're stuck in an environment for long enough, you just kind of just generalize yourself in that environment. And I don't want that to happen with him. He's a really special player. And like I said, he's going to be one of those players, him and Zegers that you can build from, you can get their identity and you can see it molding. You can build off of what they have. You have, you know, a future superstar uh, player in Zegers. You have a future star, hopefully superstar defenseman in Drysdale. I, I, want, I don't want to see anything that can hinder that and let the these players get used to, to losing and, and the crap show that's happening in Anaheim. And I even said the same thing about Zegers. Does he the, does Zegers deserve to be sent down to San Diego for his play? Absolutely not. He belongs in the NHL. But I want him to play huge minutes. I want him to be that leader on the team. Throw that, that, that letter on his chest at that young age in San Diego. All those stressful and high situations, he needs to be in. They get those minutes they, each and every night to help his development. So that's the reason why I'm saying to send him down. No, not 
from his play or Zegris's play at all because I think they're phenomenal players that and I think they're going to develop nicely and be superstar or a superstar and a star in the league. But as of right now and what's going on and all the the weird clownness in Anaheim, I I don't want to see them put through that. You you do make some good points there. I I'm with you and the f- fact is I want them up and I want them to play, but. I'm, I'm with you in the sense that I don't want them to be held back. And that's what I got really irritated at the end of that Minnesota game. You, you already saw them playing together in the Arizona game, the, the, those two, well. You have an opportunity to tie the game at the end here, and you don't put them out there. I, I mean, it's like, really? So I want them up. I want them to gain the experience. But I'm with you. I, I don't want them to be limited, especially in key situations where you want these guys to go out and perform and contribute. Then the other part of it that I thought you made that was interesting is about that losing mentality. I didn't really think about that. I, you know, I, I don't care about wins or losses. I, I mean, and I know it's tough because we all want them to win. Don't get me wrong. I, I'd rather them win than lose. I, I, I mean, what I'm saying that is because I'm not getting overly emotional about wins or losses, right? Because they're not going to be a playoff team. However, having a mindset of just it's okay to lose is not good either, right? So... It's kind of like we expect them to lose right now, the way that things have been going. But you don't want to have that mindset when you go out there and I said, okay, we're not doing well this year. We're just going to lose or win, whatever we're going to do the rest of the season. You want to be competitive and play well. So that's something that's kind of interesting because if they're out there, and I'm not saying that that's the mentality of the team, but if that was a mentality that started to develop, that would definitely not be good for this team, Eddie. Oh, no, you'll end up like Buffalo, right. losing 14 in a row. It's just, and you know what? what's weird about Buffalo? They have they have superstar players. They have Eichel, coach and GM Eichel over there. He's he, he Besides him crying all the time and his attitude, he's a phenomenal player. They have Taylor Hall, a, a former Hart Trophy winner. They have really good, I, I don't know what's going on over there. It's something in the water. I'm glad we're not, you know, I guess I'm glad we're in this little, COVID kind of league now because I wouldn't want the Ducks to drink any of the water that Buffalo is drinking and be that team. So I guess we can always look at that. And yeah, and like you said too, I um, when we watch these games. Like we know what's going to happen. I think I've called it too in the, prior to the season starting that the Ducks weren't a playoff team. And if they, they you know, and we had some hopes of them possibly squeaking in the playoffs, getting in there, but it wasn't really going to be worth it. But I, I don't know. We just we have to wait and see. I just lost my train of thought too. But it's um. Oh, what were you talking about again, Mike? I just really lost my train of thought thinking about this. I, oh, yeah, I wanted to say, too, there, there's some of these games where I watch and I kind of want the Ducks to lose because I, I'm hoping that Murray gets fired over it and we can just start something new. But then when they lose, I'm over here pouty and pissed off about it. So it's like I, I, I expect the loss and I sometimes want them to lose, but when they do lose, I'm over here getting pissed off about it, too. So it's just kind of one of those things where – I'm never going to be happy, I guess, until Murray's gone. I think that's a dilemma that a lot of people have out there because if you're seeing them lose, we're going into a situation where they can have a higher draft pick, but then you're losing and Murray and Aikens are still there. So you're kind of like, you're kind of damned if you do, damned if you don't, unfortunately. So that's where we're at. I mean, I'm just hoping that we can win some games here and and get in the flow, get some of these lines together, get some chemistry going uh, the rest of the season. And um, we'll just take it from there. You know, the season's not that far off from being done for the ducks. You know, we got about another five or six weeks and uh, I I can't believe it. It's, you know, with the shortened season, it's, it's coming up quick. 
Um, and then we'll be talking about the draft here uh, pretty soon, which we got some league news on that, Eddie. And finally, uh, you know, we had a podcast where we kind of went off on the draft lottery this last time. And the league uh, just approved some changes and some good changes. So they made uh, three things that are going to happen. Uh, one will be this year and then two uh, in the following year. But I like what they're doing here. They're they're dropping the picks down uh, from three to two. So, you know, if you have the worst place team, you can't drop to fourth like Detroit did. You know, you can only drop to third and they're starting that right away. So I, I really like that one, Eddie. Then, of course, they're limiting teams where you can't win more than twice in five years. Uh, another thing that's good. And then they're not allowing teams to jump more than 10 spots. So there'll be 11 teams instead of 16 that can win the top spot. And those last two are coming in 2022. But I'm glad they're making these changes. Uh, so we don't have all this craziness that happened this last time around that you and I um, <laughs> basically went off on on that podcast. But uh, at least some good stuff here that the league is finally like, okay, we got to fix this and here we go. Yeah, and me, I hate change. I'm a creature of habit. Like I, I've been working on that more uh, in my personal life where I can accept change and willing to go out there and do that change and i've been working on that a lot because i hate it like i I like to do i I like routines but i know routines now just kind of are bad i think i I think a lot of that attributes to me being in the military where everything's a big routine but i love all these changes i think it's great i I don't think it's fair for you know a team like detroit even though screw them because they're the red wings but it, it wasn't fair how they were that bad of a team and they got the fourth overall pick it's just it's that's not fair at all. And then you have a team like the Rangers, the last draft, uh, that that weren't even out of the bubble. That you know that potentially could have won the cup or something, uh, or, or even Edmonton. Let's go back to Edmonton winning all those lotteries, and then uh, that that's just crazy. All the number one drafts they got, and they're still that bad of a team. Yeah, they caught fire recently, and they have McDavid. Just think if McDavid was on a different team. That, that team would probably win the cup because of him. He's a phenomenal player. And, yeah, it's Edmonton. We, we, we As Ducks fans, we don't really like Edmonton, but you have to respect the hell out of Connor McDavid being a hockey fan. But I'm happy with these changes. It's going to be better for teams. It's going to be a little more fair. Um, you don't want to see the same team keep getting the same uh, draft picks. Unless it was the Ducks getting it, then that's okay. But other teams getting it, that's not okay. But now I would hate to be uh, the Ducks. You know, who knows? Maybe they might be dead last this season. Imagine... If they were poised to get the, their first overall pick and they dropped down the four, it, that would just that would just be a riot in Anaheim. I'm, it'd be bad. But yeah, th- these are kind of league changes that I, I'm happy to see, and I'm glad the league finally stepped in and did something about that to make this draft a little more fair. Now, the only thing I want them to change is I want to see the whole process from start to finish. Even though, like, just keep it in the background so fans can see because. That will kind of limit the discussion about fraud and, and the, 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 the the league trying to favor some other teams other than others. So I, I want to see that. But is that going to happen? No, but I'll take all the changes right now for the lottery changes. Yeah, I'm glad that they finally looked at this and addressed some of it because it was just getting a little bit too out of control. So look for that. Changes coming up. Uh, this that's gonna do it for our show. Uh, we have a couple sponsors to mention real quick uh, before we're done. Don't forget Manscaped. Uh, .com. Uh, check them out. Uh, you can get a 20% discount with Ducks and Pucks as your uh, code or discount word there. And um, I highly recommend it. I think that the best thing Eddie and I, uh, you know, we talk about their little spiel and everything. Uh, I crack up about, and I, I never really thought about this, but if you're a guy and you're shaving your face and then you're shaving 
your groin and then back to your face, that's just wrong. So it's good to have your own trimmer for down there and then a separate one for your face, Eddie. I don't know if you have any any funniness that you want to add to it, but that's what I look at when I talk about Manscaped. I love their product. And yes, have two razors, please. Have a regular one for your face and another one for your groin. Yeah, you know what, too? Because I shave my armpits. I know TMI, but I used I used um, I used their shaver they sent me with the little light. I like the, the I like the LED light for some reason. I shut the light in the restroom and act like I'm a kid sometimes and play with, like the light. I'm kind of weird, but yeah, I, I shaved my armpits and before I shaved them with the razor until I sliced myself one time and just slicing yourself in the armpit is hell and it hurts really really bad. And I don't suggest anyone to do that. It hurts so bad. I had a had to run upstairs and take some vodka swigs. This was me when I was drinking still, not my, my little temporary pause in drinking. But, yeah, I, I like it. And I really like their boxers. Their boxers, like I said, uh, their boxers are the most comfortable boxers I've ever had in my life. I'm going to order some more. That's how comfortable they are. Um, if they want to send me some for free, that would be cool. But I'm still going to order them because they're really comfortable. I like them. Um, I definitely suggest you try them out, especially you guys are guys. Or, you know, I know girls too. I listen to the podcast. You can try them out. Shave your arms. I shave my arm. I shave everything, like all my hair. I don't like hair except on my face or on my eyebrows and my, my head. That's it. So that, that comes in handy. Uh, the, the razor gets kind of old. And, and that's gross. If you're one of those people that use your razor for other than your face and then you use it in your, your private areas and your face again, Ah, that's kind of weird to each his own, but hey, whatever works for you. And uh, another sponsor too to check out for uh, basically uh, supplements and whatnot and energy is uh, Bucked Up. Uh, you can go to buckedup.com slash shop and enter in that code, uh, Ducks and Pucks with 93 at the end. The uh, number's 93. You can get 20% off there. So check them out as well. And check out, you know, we have our Zegras shirt. We still have our Delorier shirt. Um, check out tpnhockey.com for um, you know our store and what to check out there and lastly don't forget we have a contest giveaway courtesy of mercury insurance they gave us an autographed getzloff jersey and lindholm puck and uh, just go back to the last show listen to the word that we gave away at the end of that show and the word for this show is fly f-l-y and then listen to the next show put the words together for that phrase and then we'll give you more instructions at that time and then hopefully you can win uh, one of those two items. Uh, Make sure to also subscribe on Podomatic or wherever you listen to podcasts. And we'll be back in a week or two. Let's go Ducks!